0: Hi, today you're listening to the Shields Outdoor Podcast. Uh, I'm today's guest, Donnie Vincent. I can be described as being a biologist, conservationist, hunter, fisherman, and, uh, somebody that just absolutely loves the outdoors. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and we recently had the chance to speak with Donnie Vincent. He's most famous for his outdoor feature films, but in between, Donnie and the rest of his Sigmanta team work on most of our outdoor commercials you see on TV. I had a chance to work with Donnie and his team on the upcoming Shields ice fishing commercial for 2022 back in March. When we were there, I had told him I was going on a trip to Winnipeg with my dad, uncle, and father-in-law, and we caught some really nice fish up there. And I shot some pretty cool content on that, which we'll release this fall. But we got into some great dialogue and just jumped right into this podcast. So we're just gonna give you this segment raw and unedited when I ended up hitting the record button, which was wrapping up that Winnipeg conversation. So here's our segment with Donnie Vincent.
0: Yeah, I, I have to get I have to get up. I have to first of all I have to start ice fishing. That's something that I'm gonna add into my life because like when we were working together on that shield spot, that's essentially the ice fishing that I've done the last few years has been filming Shields ads, and then also I went with a couple of buddies up on Lake of the Woods, which was absolutely, uh, actually twice I went to Lake of the Woods, which was amazing, but um, it's definitely something that I want to, we did snowmobiling on Lake of the Woods, we would sled in, you know, 50, 60 miles, and then ice fish, and that was uh, super fun, but I'm, I'm doing the same thing, man, I'm I'm wrapping out winter, I'm doing starting to do a bunch of whitetail habitat work, and kind of get ready for uh, changing the farm around, and then uh, turkey season, which I don't take lightly. I love <laughs> turkey hunting and I think turkey hunting, it's so weird because I feel as though outdoor television or even just maybe filming in and of itself has kind of watered down what turkey hunting really is, but it is, I, I, I can't fathom that there are people that don't turkey hunt or don't really get into turkey hunting. Cause I, I just passed some birds last night when I was driving home and, um, had a field of probably 50 or 60 birds, five or six strutters. And obviously that's a big flock and they haven't broke up yet. And that that'll be coming in the next two weeks, but still just seeing those strutters and, you know, frosty mornings and and hearing those guys coming from a long ways away, it's it's stupid fun. It's so pretty too. Just seeing the spring birds and everything's engaging and everything's kind of coming back to life.
1: Yeah, that's what I tell people about, too, you know, about turkey hunting. It's like, why do you enjoy it? Well, you know, I I didn't start until probably six or seven years ago. You know, like the only only thing I really saw about turkeys was, you know, I'd look on the outdoor channel and see somebody call a bird and kill it. And it's like, well... it looks okay, but you yeah. know, when you actually go out there and experience all the growth and the woods coming alive and you yeah. know, see that turkey come up and gobble in your face and attack your decoy. It's just it's yeah. so cool.
0: You know, and <laughs> that's the thing is like you I was the same way. I'd watch the outdoor channel and some guy would be down in Alabama and just, Yeah, we're gonna try to get a thunder chicken this morning, just you know ah, ah, boom, there he is. Sit down, decoy, boom. I was like that that A, it looks like they're hunting in the summer because it's so green down there, and, and B, but here when the hardwoods are just starting to wake up, right? Like I had um, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, I was hunting opening day and I had to just set my decoys on the ground because I couldn't, I use Dave Smith decoys. I'm, uh, Dave's a good friend of mine. His decoys are hands down the best. I think you guys sell them now actually at Shields. Yeah, we do. Yeah, but I, I couldn't get the stake in the ground. I mean, literally tried and I was not panicking, but I was in a bit of a, I was in a hurry because the, the sun wasn't coming up, but that early morning blue was just starting to show up and I could see four or five toms in the trees, not, not maybe 50, 60 yards away from me. So I'm trying to push the stake in, couldn't get in. So I just set my decoys on the ground and then went and, and hid back in this switchgrass little area with a little there's a cottonwood and some switchgrass and I just got in there and I killed I still killed my bird but it was the ground is frozen
1: Hmm. yeah you just yeah. you got to be ready for any situation with the turkey that reminds yeah. me of a story last year with my friend Ramsey he had uh he'd went to Florida he'd shot a Osceola down there yep and then he had yep. another he he went to I think Wyoming and got a he got a Rio or what? Whatever's there, and Next then he or
0: whatever. Yep.
1: Yep. And then he ended up. He already had a trip planned where he shot a Merriam, so all he needed was an Eastern to do an in-season slam. And it's like it. It didn't really like consume him, or he wasn't thinking about it that much. But it was like, well. I've turkey hunted a long time. I've never done this before, so it's like, well, let's give yeah. it a shot. So, yeah. you know, he can you can just buy a Minnesota tag over the counter. So he he ended up calling me. He's like, Mike, I need to get a I need to get an Easter. And so it's like, okay, let's figure some stuff out. And and yeah. we started hunting. I got access to this spot, kind of by our lake cabin, and you know, we, we just couldn't find birds, you know, like we hunted a couple of days and then time was running out. So then we just started like, well, let's drive around and knock on doors and see what happens. And, lo and, and behold, yeah. we met one guy who had just a pristine place and, you know, he had a caribou hanging in his garage and was starting his skid steer. And, you know, we just started talking and he just said, I, you know, we usually don't let people hunt, but you seem like good guys and you're in it for, you know, something that's pretty cool. So yeah, Yeah. you can, he pulled up a map of his place he's like, you should, you should try here before you head too far back. And he was just straight slow playing us. He had like 50 turkeys that was there this morning and we let out our first call and we (laughs) one fired back like 75 yards away. So we just, you know, dropped the turkeys right there or dropped the decoys right there, got in the nearest bush we could. And this sucker came in full strut into like 10 yards. It just happened so
0: fast. Gosh, that is so cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Man. I have a funny story. I grew a tag in Wisconsin when I lived in Minnesota, and I told myself the same thing. I, I'm just – now, I have long hair, and at the time I had a pretty shaggy beard, so I, I realized that I was going to get a couple of nose just based off of my appearance. But I told myself I'm going to drive to Wisconsin, knock on doors. And usually when you knock on a door and you engage with somebody, within a few seconds you can tell – they're going to consider it or it's just flat out a no and so i knocked on this door with this guy and i saw this huge ridge he had an oak ridge pasture on the bottom picked cornfield on top and there's tons of birds on this property and so i stopped knocked on the door and i said hey how's it going and he said great and, and i said hey i noticed you have this oak ridge back here that has a lot of turkeys on it and i'm from minnesota but i drew a wisconsin turkey tag and he's like. Can you believe how many birds are on that ridge? I said, yeah, it just looks amazing. And as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, man, he's like, yeah, there's the guy was up there this morning with my tractor, and there's probably eight to 10 toms full strut. And and I said, yeah, I said, it's amazing. I said, do you turkey? And he's like, no, no, he's like, I deer hunt, but I, I, I'm too busy in the spring. And, and he's like, yeah, there's a ton of birds on the bottom. There's birds on the top. He's like, I him from my house gobbling in the morning, and it, in the mornings are so perfect and so beautiful and I was like yeah and I, I said I just have a tag for one Tom and, and he's like yeah and, and so I said yeah would you mind you know would you mind if I came back tomorrow morning and hunted he's like yeah I don't think so
1: oh. but
0: he sat there with me and told me these stories and I just thought you little stinker like you know, you know and I was, I was actually shocked and it didn't dissuade me but I went to 21 doors I knocked on 21 doors And the 21st lady, um, gave me permission. There was a little old lady, same thing. I saw another big Oak Ridge and I saw a single Tom strutting in this pasture and I knocked on, oh, actually she was on the riding lawnmower and I drove up, she stopped the mower and I just got the sense that she was a widow or a single woman. So I, when I got on my truck, I kept a fair distance and I was like, Hey, how you doing? And, I so, yeah, I introduced myself, and, and as soon as I said, yeah, my name's Donnie, she said, well, call me Sadie the old lady. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll call you Sadie the old lady. And, and uh, so I said, Sadie, I said, I have a question for her, and she just kind of sat back on the tractor and looking at me inquisitive and kind of um, like her guard was up. I said, hey, I live in Minnesota, but I drew a Wisconsin turkey tag, and I was just driving past your beautiful farm. And I said, well, first of all, I said, do you own that Oak Ridge behind you? And she said, no. I said, oh, you don't? She said, no. She said, I own the hill where you see all the trees, which was exactly the Oak Ridge. And I was like, oh, okay. And and then I said, (laughs) the pasture below it? She said, yeah, I own the pasture below it. And I said, yeah, I noticed you have a big Tom out there. And she said, you know what? I think you should come back tomorrow morning and kill him because every morning – And she used a few superlatives that I won't say on your podcast, but she said every morning I see that stinker just harassing the girls all morning long, and he's just relentless. So she said, I think you should come here tomorrow morning and and kill him, and I did. And so she was the 21st door I knocked on, got permission, killed the bird.
1: Oh, I love it. Way to to be persistent. like. When it comes when it comes to knocking on doors, be respectful and be persistent, and you just you never quite know what's going to happen. I love it, <laughs> little old lady. You know just what? I'm gonna harassing. I'm gonna try
0: this. I just heard this from a friend of mine. I uh, was listening to a another podcast. Um, a friend of mine, and I'm gonna try this actually because there's a farm that I drive past on the way to my farm that has a lot of birds on it, and I never see anyone turkey hunting. So the guy that I know, he hand writes a letter now, Mike. When he finds a property that he wants to hunt and then a house, because he feels like knocking on the door might be a little, now he's, he, this guy hunts 200 inch whitetails. So when he's knocking on a door, there's a lot, lot in it for him and and he, and he lives in Illinois, but um he handwrites a letter and puts it in their mailbox and then, and has his cell phone number in there and stuff like that. And then he kind of waits for them to contact him. And I might do that with this turkey farm. I might write them a letter and just say, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I love. Um, would you ever consider, you know, letting me turkey hunt?
1: That's a good idea. That The whole handwritten letter is just kind of a lost art nowadays. You know, it's so mm-hmm. easy to just send an email and things like that. But, you know, you get that handwritten letter. It's like, okay, this guy really cares.
0: Yep. A little investment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait, man. Cannot wait.
1: Yeah. I am, I am just absolutely jacked about turkey hunting. So, but Hey, let's, uh, let's step things back just a little bit. I want to talk about the last time I actually saw you, we got to, we got to hang out on an ice fishing shoot. This was, you know, with, uh, with your production company, Sigmanta. So we, uh, we decided to go out to devil's Lake area and goal was to film an ice fishing commercial. Can you just talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, the why and, and what you guys hope to hope to get out of that?
0: Mhm. whenever we film a spot like that, whether we're doing something with the military, uh, my crew, we do a lot of work with uh, special forces guys. We do a lot of work with um, classified type shoots and, and um, a lot of up and coming technologies with the military. We, you know, shields is, is um, probably our biggest client and the client that we have the most um, synergy with, if you will. And then we have, you know, it's right on down the line and we do some work from, for some other different gun companies but whenever we're doing a shoot like that and it sounds contrived but we are just looking for authentic work we want to be with authentic men and women we want to be in and we want to create uh, as real a scenario as possible and in the case of ice fishing for shields we, it sounds silly to say this but we want to find real ice fishermen and women we want to go to You know tried and true locations whether that be a secret spot or a famous place like devil's lake and we want to honestly fish we want to honestly watch the sunrise and sunset and we want to catch big fish uh big fish really it's again sounds silly but big fish really translate well on on tv screen when when you're running an ad and and uh and we just want to have a a very real experience and capture the emotions the smiles the stories and and um, and then turn that into a spot that is going to translate to somebody that's sitting in a restaurant or in their house or uh, wherever it may be when you know they're watching a football game or whatever and that spot comes up. We want, if they can hear it, we really want the voiceover, the words and the music and the imagery to really suck them into – going to their own place we don't want to suck them into shields which sounds silly because we're doing this for business we don't want to suck them into shields we don't want them to get up and go to a shield store we want to suck them into their own ice fishing adventures or their daydreams of where they want to go and then inadvertently that that you know we're trying to inspire them to get outside and go ice fishing themselves that's what we're trying to inspire and and um and inadvertently that brings them into a shield store to get their equipment because shields is such a fantastic department store. I'm not just saying that like literally I was there the other day and I just cannot believe the energy that that surrounds those stores um, for them being uh, just a box store. It's, it's really amazing. So the idea is to film a spot in that manner, but should somebody, let's say somebody's in a loud bar or in a loud restaurant or at a family gathering where everyone's talking a little bit too much, and the in the the commercial still comes up on the screen, without the voiceover and without the music, the imagery still needs to suck them in. And so, we try to place all these pieces together from who we're filming, what we're filming, how we're filming it, because there are angles and cameras that work that really translate to the human eye. Then we sound design the piece, which is to add all the you know to add all the sounds to it like if you're watching a movie where guys are fighting with swords you know sound design is they might take something and you know slide it against a metal bottle or whatever which creates that illusion that swords are hitting or being drawn from a sheath and people don't even think about that stuff but you sound design a piece that you really hear you know when you set the hook on an ice fishing rod and you go you know your jacket makes a certain crinkle when you do that and the uh, the monofilament line makes a certain when you do that, and so we sound design that stuff so it really sucks the angler in, and then we add music and we add the voiceover and then you know the Shields logo. But that that's what the process is like, and it starts with finding the right models and the right location for the right fish, and the sincerity of it all is the only thing that works. You have to be absolutely real, absolutely authentic, and sincere. we have to want to be there, we have to want to be doing these things, because then it's going to translate to the viewer.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that answer. And you know, and and it's not about buying a Shields rod, it's about picking up a rod and getting out there and having yourself an adventure and living those experiences. And you know, on that shoot with you, that was, you know, it wasn't like a Two week long sheep hunt or anything like that, but we still had ourselves a pretty good adventure there.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I'm a, I'm big on that, Mike. Like I'm I'm really big on I I love the big stuff, right? I love going to the Arctic Circle, love sheep hunting, love grizzly bears, but I love the little stuff just as much. If I'm going on my ten acres or my hundred acres squirrel hunting for gray squirrels with a twenty two, that is. That is just as big to me as going sheep hunting in the mountains. I know that sounds silly, but it, it, it's the truth. And going to Devil's Lake, I've wanted to go there since I was a little kid. Now I've, what I've always wanted to go to Devil's Lake for is to hunt bluebills, but catching walleye through the ice, catching big pike through the ice and big perch through the ice net, you know, just as good. But I've always, I've always been drawn there for the, for the duck hunting, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's really important. It's really important. And like you said, it's not about, yes, we're selling shields, fishing rods or gear that Shields sells, but really all shields wants people to do. All I want people to do, all you want people to do is to get outside, mm-hmm. get outside, chase your life. The clock is ticking. You don't get a second run at this. You might as well go and look over the next hill.
1: Absolutely. So, um, what was it like, uh, meeting Jason Mitchell and going out and fishing with him?
0: It was fun. I had, um, I'm embarrassed to say I had no idea who Jason Mitchell was and, uh, you guys introduced me to him. And then once I saw him and saw some of the magazine, you know, we were in his shop. Uh, we had dinner at his shop the second to last night and, um, uh, seeing his images in, you know, he had all of his uh, magazine covers that he has been on and articles that he's written and fish that he has caught all hanging on a wall in there. And um, once I saw him, then then the imagery of who he was, you know, popped in my head. But, um, yeah, when when I was talking to you guys and you said, hey, let's go to Devil's Lake and maybe fish with Jason Mitchell, I had, I had no idea who he was. And it's funny because I have friends who are um, – really connected anglers and i and they say hey who are you fishing with and you know i said jason mitchell They're like no way you know they're really into it and but i thought he was awesome you know honestly i you never know what you're gonna get with someone like that you never know um we've had we've had other shoots where you know the model has showed up and um and been uh, curiously interesting, and um, the first shoot I ever did with you, the model that showed up was a curious gentleman. Well, we'll he shall remain nameless, but uh, but Jason was awesome. I thought he was incredible and um, really good fisherman, definitely into it and uh, and it was cool to go in his shop and see all of his thirty plus inch walleyes right because you know you have to have a body of work that is massive to have that many thirty inch walleyes on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it, you know, that shows that if you come in my cabin and like right now I have six sheep in here, well, if I have six sheep in here, I've done a lot of sheep hunting because I'm not going on six hunts to get six sheep and he's not going on 20 walleye trips to catch 20, 30 inch walleyes. There's a lot of fishing behind those. Twenty fish or whatever. Oh, absolutely! So I, I, I like can't. That.
1: I can't even imagine how many lines he has dropped in the water to accomplish what he's done so far, and to like understand yeah. those bodies of water and how how the fish interact and all of that. It's just it can really only be done through just years and years of studying and learning. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was cool, man. I loved it. I loved the snow, the cold, the you know. People say this term, the moonscape, the landscape, right? It's just for, I mean, you're in North Dakota, it is forever flat and snowy and it has, you know, I am seeing the grasses undulating on shore and you can see the dead trees on shore that, that, and that stuff was bringing me back to waterfalling. You know, I seen those areas and I was like, oh, I bet this place is hopping, um, for waterfall. And I think I even said something to you. When we went out, I don't remember that one little lake. It was a tributary to Devil's Lake, but there was a point and there was an old farmhouse that was pretty dilapidated. And I just thought, how many skeins of ducks and geese has this house, you know, back in the day, what did they see come over their house in the fall and land into this lake? It must be huh, storied for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. Just to be a fly on the wall of that old house mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. just to be able to see it in the winter and in the fall, when the waterfall come in, it's just—it's definitely something to think
0: about. Oh yeah, yeah. And Jason, Jason, and I have—you know, Jason had no idea who I was either when we went on the shoot, and we've connected afterwards and just kept in touch. And and um, and he had, he actually said to me, he "Goes, you know, I didn't know if Shields was sending some crew from the cities that you know, you guys were going to show up, you know, wearing like you know." designer parkas and and want to sit in the trucks all day and be warm or or if you'd actually be in and he was uh i think he was dutifully impressed that we showed up for that we you know we are who we are and and uh and we spend our days outside
1: mm-hmm, absolutely you guys are definitely hardcore and it's just seeing the dynamic of of your sick mana group is amazing just how you guys are all on the same wavelength, from you know you, your vision to Kyle putting it into action to William capturing it with the lens, it's just it's so cool to see. And you guys just put out some incredible stuff. It's like you know I, I watched something you guys produce. Like I remember seeing uh, the Rivers Divide right away and the story of Steve. Mm-hmm. And it was just absolutely captivated and like that's literally the reason why I picked up a camera and started filming my adventures and Could probably even credit that to being where I am now with shields but it's just it's so cool to watch and you just wonder how how you guys can can one-up it from there and you just always seem to do that
0: yeah, we're just always looking, you know, and we're always trying different techniques and you know in the in the technology changes, right? the cameras get better and and, um, and we also have, we have a man behind the scenes who is pivotal to our success, and that's Casey Olsen. He's our musician. Now, if he were on the hunt, you would, you'd definitely be able to pick him out. Like he's, his hair, not that ours is any different, but Casey would show up. His hair would be a complete mess. He would be wearing a t-shirt. I don't know that I've ever seen him in a jacket, sometimes a hooded sweatshirt. Uh, he'd be wearing blue jeans that have long since seen their prime. <laughs> and he would be in either, he would either be in flip flops or he'd be barefoot and which doesn't work on Devil's Lake when it's 20 below zero. But even, even here at the office, he's here every day in the winter. He's here barefoot and he gets out of his car and he'll walk. I don't care if we have two feet of snow. He walk parks in the parking lot or in our driveway and he gets out of his car and comes up here in flip flops in two feet of snow. And that's just who he is, but he is, he's covered in tattoos, but he is an artist. He can play all the guitars, piano, cello, bass, viola, violin, uh, everything but the drums. And then he uses software for drums and stuff, but he'll score all of our music and scores all the music that you hear in Shields.
1: That's very cool. He definitely sounds like a guy I need to meet.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, and he'd be embarrassed to, um, if he knew I was talking about it right now, he doesn't want, he does not like any credit whatsoever.
1: <laughs> well, he deserves a lot of credit because yeah. like you said, that stuff he does is art and to be able to just pick up a different, a different instrument based off of something in your head and, and just make it work mm-hmm. into, into art is, it's pretty captivating.
0: It is. And he comes and talks to me, you know, like when, um, since in the rivers divide, he you may or may not recall after i kill steve it goes into a uh, kind of a haunting music uh of a young woman singing do you remember that part at all yeah i you do have to remember re-watch that it. yeah you do yeah so our friend of ours uh, a gentleman named Roscoe Westerwald, who used to be in a band and he he it is his band called onward etc uh he changed the name of his band now to Augie birch uh for whatever reason i'm sure there's something creative there but he um he wrote the lyrics to that song. And then Casey was, he asked me, he asked me about the deer. He's like, "What? you know, cause he doesn't hunt. So he said, you know, what about the, what about the hunt was, you know, what were you feeling? What were your insecurities? What, what were your emotions? And so I conveyed to him, you know, this is what I was going through and, um, you know, I was down a bit and, and, um, excited to hunt but you know there was a goal associated with a single a single seven and a half year old deer it's never easy to hunt those guys and um and so and and to kind of go about it in the same location in which which I wounded him a year before so just kind of went through all the emotions and and he was playing a show in Missouri Casey was and he comes walking into this bar playing a show and he hears a young woman on stage singing she's she's part of the band before his band is going on and he said he walks the door and he's like oh she is steve she's steve so he just sat there next to the stage and when she finished her set she came down he's like hey how you doing my name's casey Olson." he's like yeah I, I score music for this film crew out of minneapolis and uh, we're working on this wildlife wilderness film and and there's a particular character. There's this white-tailed deer that we're trying to find, create a sound for, and kind of find the emotion for this piece. And he's like, "I think you're him." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh." And so um, he said, "I have a van in the parking lot with a recording studio in it and a microphone, and I have lyrics. Will you come out and sing in the van for the film?" And she said, "Ah." Uh, and he's like, "And I," uh, he's like, "I'll pay you. I have twenty bucks." I 20, 20 bucks in my pocket because he never has money. He, he doesn't, he, all this money goes in the bank. And, uh, uh, so e- even Mike, even when I try to give him a raise, I'll be like, Hey, Casey, you know, like, here's your annual review. Here's your raise. And he'll say, what's this for? Or he'll say, what am I supposed to do with this? I say, just spend it, you know, whatever. And he's like, on what? And I said, I don't know, clothes. He's like, I have clothes. And I said, look at a new car. And he said, my car's fine. And I said, buy, buy a bicycle. He's like, he says, I have bicycles. I said, and just put it in the bank. And he says, for what? And I'm like, just, cause that's what adults do. They just, you go to work, you get paid money, it goes in the bank. And so that's just the type of guy he is. So he told her, he's like, Hey, I have $20. And, um, she's like, yeah, that's fine. She took 20 bucks, went out to the van. I think she sang it twice. And, um, that's the, that's literally the recording that you hear in the film.
1: That's incredible. Like, I can't imagine what went through her head. She's like at a bar singing and a guy comes up to her and is like, Hey, you, you remind me of a deer. Can you come get in my van?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's probably a couple of cues there, but good thing he's harmless. Oh, well,
1: you know what? I'm, I'm really glad it worked out. Oh man. That's funny. Yep. And it's just the inspiration comes in the, in the wildest of places.
0: Yeah. And we just keep going. Uh, man, like we just want to keep getting better and telling better stories. And of course, everything that I'm reading inspires me to do different writing and talking to gentlemen like you and exploring different places just kind of opens your mind. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That, I mean, that is what it's about is opening your mind and, you know, kind of, kind of goes into, you know, just the outdoors in general. So what is it about the outdoors that just captivates you and
0: leaves you yearning for more? Um... Uh, for the most part for me, I mean, hunting is definitely a big piece of my DNA. It's definitely a big piece of our heritage. It's why, it's quite literally how and why human beings have evolved into who we are today as a, as a great ape. It literally comes from our, uh, ancient history and our ancient ability to, uh, to procure meat and to, you know, especially the the cooking of that meat when when we went through this kind of evolutionary change. So I definitely have some very rich uh, DNA, or we all have very rich DNA to be hunters, but my draw to the outdoors is really the, the wildlife and the wild places. If I can see, and the reason I say that is because I get nearly as excited when I see, you know, a great gray owl sitting on a dead limb over a over a, a pasture area where he's mousing, you know, early in the morning before the before the sun comes up. And like, I can't hunt that owl, but that seeing that great gray will stop me in my tracks or seeing an, an indigo bunting or a snow bunting or um, geese migrating in the spring. You know, these are things that literally stop me in my tracks. Uh, but these aren't hunting scenarios, right? But still, then you elevate it again you know, spring turkey hunting or fall goose hunting or deer hunting, sheep hunting, whatever it is, you know, this idea of going afield and getting meat for your family and for your friends, but really it's it's just being around the animals, right? Like 99% of the fish that we caught on our shield shoot, you know, went right back in the ice. We ate probably 10 or 12, 15 fish out of the whole crew and we were there, maybe 20 fish or whatever, but Mm -hmm. most of them go right back in the lake. So just like did you keep any of those big fish on Lake Winnipeg? No,
1: we didn't keep any of those. So, I mean, we, we kept, um, you know, 20 to 21-inch fish. I mean, we, we caught quite yeah. a few, and but yeah. but those are the ones that we felt like we could take home. We could have more than enough of a meal for, but... You know the the big ones. They they were the breeders. We just have a lot of respect yeah. for them and put them back. But you know, like on our on our Devil's Lake trip, the perch though, we, we kept the big perch. You know, like those yeah. are they they have such a they have such a short lifespan. You mm-hmm. know, like to to me, like it's not going to disturb the ecosystem by removing some of the larger perch no. because they're not going to be here not- in two years anyways.
0: Yeah, and there's not enough fishermen there to kind of impact them. But my point is. You go to catch those big walleyes, not to feed yourself, but really to feed your mind. The only way to see those walleyes above the ice is to drill a hole in the ice and sit there and jig like you have an issue all day. <laughs> until one, And you reel it up and then you pull it through the ice and you're just sitting there looking at her eyes and her jaws and her, her jowls and her, you know, we call them shoulders on big fish. And. You know, you're just kind of like looking at her, go, holy cow. And then right back down the hole. That's, that's why being outside is so captivating to me. And obviously when I get to shoot a turkey or fillet a 20 inch walleye for the frying pan, these are really rewarding aspects as well. But just seeing a lot of this wildlife, just being close to a lot of this wildlife and going to areas where you can see the prairie, see the mountains, see, uh, the lake region or, uh, just seeing all these things that, uh, um, primary forest and secondary forest and seeing where a white-tailed deer calls home, just seeing all these different areas, snakes, frogs, all of this stuff is very, very captivating. It's like the ultimate TV show for me. It is, it is being, you know, you, you watch planet earth on, the big screen in your living room and you're just blown away at the cinematography and how talented these, these shooters are and the imagery that they capture. But when you're there in real life to see it, it is, it's, it creates awe, true Mm -hmm. awe. It leaves you without a breath and it leaves you without, uh, words to come to mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys do an excellent job and there's lots of other people out there that do such a great job captivating the outdoors. But at the end of the day, you can only catch and capture so much with a lens. It's like to actually be there and to feel those things, you know, feel the sun on your face and the wind whipping you. And then, you know, like the, the smash of that walleye when you set the hook, it's just it just leaves you coming back for more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that fish that we caught on Devil's Lake and I was standing right next to you and it was freezing cold and it was getting kind of dark and the snow was blowing across the ice and you were just sitting there and he kind of zoomed in left. And then I stand right next to you. And then all of a sudden you're just like, boom. And he zoomed right back in and smashed your shad wrap or whatever it is that you're fishing with. But yeah, that's, those are the, those are the little dopamine triggers, right? Where that's what is really thrilling, but that I, I love it. I'm really looking forward to like this weekend, I'll be on the farm that I hunt and I'll have a chainsaw and I'll be cutting down some trees and changing kind of the landscape a little bit and getting ready for planting and, and, um, and kind of dressing it up, uh, for Turkey hunting. And, and I take a lot of kids turkey hunting, So I'll work on a blind. Uh, cause when I take kids, I, I put them in the blind. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled like this. You, you'd think I'd won the lottery. You'd think I'd literally be going to pick up my $20 million from, the minnesota state lottery or wisconsin state lottery this weekend but no i'm just going to go out in the woods and and hike around and look at animal tracks and look at tree species and look at old apple trees and and tell myself stories and and think about things that happened last fall and know that another fall is coming up and uh, all i need is free time and wild places to explore and i I literally don't need another thing
1: (laughs) that's perfect so I mean I, I'm so excited to get out this spring too and just start new things see the growth and you know experience another year do you ever have any fears that it's not going to be like that anymore
0: every day I think about it and, and and I used to think you know I'd get things in the mail saying let's defend our rights as gun owners and I would just whatever and and then I'd I get, I would get an email saying, Hey, there, you know, uh, we need to, we need to preserve our hunting heritage and our hunting rights. So vote this or do this. And I just, ah, like hey, all politics, if you will. But, uh, now, now I'm paying attention because, you know, the fact that, um, and I'll just, call it what it is but the fact that the uninitiated and the uneducated people of british columbia of vancouver british columbia got grizzly bear hunting shut down in coastal british columbia blows my mind literally they shut down bear hunting in an area where there are more grizzly bears than any other place in the world and uh and they did so having never went there having never talked to a biologist having never getting any information whatsoever on what the population is doing, zero education, literally hung their hats on passion and prejudice. And, um, yeah, it it worries me. It also worries me. The, um, it just worries me how, you know, when I hear, I just did a podcast the other day in Denver, Colorado, and the gentleman was asking me about the meta, the metaverse, or meta universe, or meta. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The 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 alternate universe. Well, that, I definitely
1: don't know everything about that, but I'm familiar with what you're talking about, anyways. Yeah.
0: So he asked me about that, and I just said I have nothing, literally nothing, good to say about um, Facebook or Instagram. I have nothing good to say about uh, the meta universe or where, and all these all these guys, all these big fish are like, you better hurry up and buy property in the metaverse. And, and, uh, I guess someone just recently came out. This is what he was asking me. Somebody recently came out and said, your clothing bill, they're predicting within the next whatever years it was. I don't know what it was. Five years, 10 years. They're predicting that your clothing bill in the meta universe is going to be more than your clothing bill of what you wear in real life. And I just thought to myself, um, it just might be time for me to try to jump the Grand Canyon on a dirt bike or a Ford Pinto or something because I I just can't even fathom that people would go into a virtual world and spend time and money there when literally you have this giant blue spinning orb that we live on, part of an entire universe, and you would actually go in to have a virtual life However, that is transmitting to your, you know, because I'm sure they're going to put on virtual reality goggles and they're going to go to places that I just can't even fathom that. And, and, And this gentleman told me that you can purchase digital apes right now, that that is the currency. Do you know what I'm referring to?
1: I honestly no, I don't. I mean, I, I've heard okay. of similar things like that, but I just try and remove myself from that because yeah. I know for a fact that neither you nor I will have a virtual clothing bill more expensive than a regular clothing bill.
0: In fact, I prefer myself in the virtual world to be completely naked so that I can use all of my money in the <laughs> real world to buy boats and go fishing and hunting and and bows. And I just, I can't even. I just. So that's that's what worries. It worries me, Mike, and it also kind of leaves me with some curiosities because if the lion's share of the human population is going to go stay indoors on their computers, well, maybe maybe that's going to leave places like Devils Lake and the Lake of the Woods and the Arctic Circle and all these. Maybe it's going to leave those places for the people that really want to be there.
1: Yeah, I guess I never really thought of it that way.
0: Cause they'll stop, cause people, what people care about is what they kind of vote on and pay attention to. Now, unfortunately, those areas will start to, start to lose value to the average person because they're not even focused on it. But maybe that'll, maybe, maybe there'll be some dichotomy or something. I don't know. This is what I do know. I'm going to take every moment I can and cherish the moments that I have right now, floating down a river, being on a lake, hunting turkeys, deer, whatever it may be. I'm going to, each and every day that I get to do it, I'm going to, I'm literally taking it to the grave.
1: Hmm. Well spoken. And, and I'm pretty much the same way, except that I'm going to take my daughters out. I'm going to pass mm-hmm. it on, you know, like don't live inside that computer screen or that phone screen. No. There's a whole different life out there to experience and don't let it pass you by.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's, yeah, this is a, what phones have done to us as a people is will never, um, it's never going to be reversed. It is, I mean, I, I'm sure you've done the same thing, but yesterday I was driving, excuse me, in this morning, and I just make it a point. First of all, I'm not on my phone when I'm driving because I want to look around and just see kind of what's going on but I look at other drivers and it's, I mean, 90% of people are looking down like they see them on, you know, they're just, it's just, and I was, I was in an airport last week, flying home from Texas. We had a film shoot in Texas. I was flying home and I was just grabbing, grabbing my bags. And we have like 13 or 14 Pelican cases that we travel with. So we're just grabbing all those. And I was just people watching and literally 90% of people are just on their phones, just, swiping through instagram i mean it is just they're not even you could do whatever you wanted whatever you wanted and no one would notice like if you wanted to steal somebody's bag no problem no problem whatsoever like uh just completely focused on their phones completely oblivious to what's going on in the real world and and uh yeah it's 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 sad but maybe it will Uh, slingshot the other way. Maybe, maybe the, the last, um, generation or maybe this current generation will go so far into the phone and computers that maybe the, maybe it won't be cool anymore. Then another generation that's coming will be like, no, no, this generation wants to be outside. Like maybe it'll slingshot. I don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. Hey, you never know. The the phones might be the next bell-bottom jeans that go, that go in and out. (laughs)
0: we shall see. I mean,
1: like all of that is, it's given me a job right now. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate that I can go on Google and I can find a great turkey brine recipe, you know, so I can, I can learn fast, but yeah, it scares me so much about just life slipping by.
0: It's not all bad, right? You, You know, you know, you could, um, you know, I, I mean I hate to say it this way, but if some if you had a friend, if you were growing up and you had a friend that went to the library every day, okay, let's remove phones. If you had a buddy of yours and he gets up in the morning, he's like, Hey Mike and you're like, Hey, let's you know, let's go to the corner and play baseball and he's like, No, nah, I'm going to the library. I'm going to the library to read you like, Okay, and the next morning you say, Hey, I'm going bass fishing down at the creek let's go bass fishing. he's like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to go to the library and read all all day today. And, and you know, the next day you say, Hey, we're putting together a big, you know, we're going to have a watermelon eating contest between all of our buddies. And we're going to play volleyball and we're just going to go jet skiing or whatever. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to go to the library today and read all day. Eventually you'd say, dude, get out of the library. Life is passing you by outside of the library. I understand you love to read books, but get out of the library. And so it's kind of the same thing with phones. I totally agree with you. There's great things there. You can look up, you know, a, a turkey brine recipe. You can look up, Hey, um, you know, if you're talking with somebody and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, um, I, dr- I drive, a Ford Raptor. And so a buddy of mine yesterday asked me, Hey, how much is your Ford Raptor weigh?" And I said, I have no idea. How much is the Ford Raptor weigh?" He said 6,000 pounds. And so I was able to just, you know, like that information was, Right at my fingertips. Otherwise I might have to, if that was 20 years ago, I might have to call Ford and say, Hey, how much? Yeah. Wait on hold. And you know, so there are definitely aspects to it, but I'm just talking about a, the poison that lives out there because everyone, you know, like, people might look at my Instagram page and say, Oh my gosh. He lives the dream. He's walleye fishing and then he's turkey hunting. And then he's, and while it is true, like there's nothing on my Instagram page that's false. I also work with a professional photographer some of the time, not always, but some of the time. And I I live my life to the fullest, which is which or as full as I can, but I still have down days. I still have days where I'm crushed with doubt. I still have days where I have ten things that I'm supposed to do and I only get two of them done. And I don't get two of them done because the two of them consume me so much that I didn't do the other eight. No, I only got two of them done because I procrastinated the day away. And I sat there and fiddle farted just like anyone else and then had crushing panic at the end of the day of how little I, I got done. And so we look at each other's Instagrams. We're like, oh, um, I had a buddy of mine yesterday. And I, I've, we all fall victim to this. But a buddy of mine is a very good fisherman. And he lives on Green Bay. And he, ca- Mike, he catches, like, I swear to you, every day he sends me a photo of a 28, 29, or 30-inch walleye. I swear every day. Or or a 49, 50, 51, 52-inch muskie. That's what he sends me pictures of. And and um, I said this to him yesterday. I sent me a picture of huge, huge walleye. I said, man, I have got to get out more. Me. I'm saying this to him. <laughs> I've got to get out more. I'm out a lot. But I'm like, I've got to get out more. And he said, funny coming from you. He's like, I'd rather have your life than just me picking up slimy old fish or something. He said something like that. And he was being, he was joking, but, um, but that's, that's what we all do to ourselves, right? The grass is greener on the other side and it's really not. And, and, um, the truth of the matter is the secret is to discover what really moves you, whether that be a classic car, a video game, even if it's a video game, I don't care. Like if, if somebody says, I love more than anything, Mike, I love playing, I don't even know, uh, Halo or whatever, a video game. Like I love more than anything. I love the computer. I love these video games. I just want to immerse myself. Great. Great. If that fills you full, then chase it. What I don't want you to do is play a video game all day and then hate on yourself for wasting your day. But if you find what really drives you, you need to chase that even in work. Like you shouldn't go get a corporate job and then daydream about classic cars all day. You should do something in classic cars, whether that be social media, whether that be a car mechanic, whether that be you start up your own classic car show that starts out with you and your buddies Chevelle 1969 Chevelles and then grows to eight cars the next year and then 12 cars the next year and then inadvertently five years down the road somebody's gonna say Mike I'm so blown away by your classic car show that's grown so big like I'm so jealous of you I wish I I could do something like this and you're like oh all you have to do is love it and do it if you love it and you do it people want to watch you do it and they'll want to talk to you about it and they want to participate about with it because they'll feed off of your energy. And if they have that same energy, fantastic. If I talk to anyone about anything and they tell me they're nitty gritty about, for instance, I'm up to shields every year for, and I'm just picking on you guys cause we're on the we, we're on the podcast and we might as well be real. But every every year we come up and we sit at that round table and we talk about what we're going to film this year for Shields, what kind of projects we're going to film, wherever it may be. And I won't name names, but, you know, the same seven or eight people sit around the table. And I know nothing about any of you other than I know a little bit about you and I know a little bit about a couple of the guys. But I really don't know what really triggers everyone in the dark of night. Like, really, like... <sighs> I understand you work at Shields and I know you love what you do and I know you love Shields because it's easy to love a company that has a great, has a, you guys have great bones. You guys have a great skeleton. You have a great um, philosophies. You have great morals. You have a great um, energy about Shields. So I understand that, but I really don't know anything about anyone on the table. And if I was able to, let's say we, let's say there was a tornado and and the building got completely destroyed and we were all trapped in a room and we were trapped in a room for like five days until rescuers could get to us. And we are in those five days. We were able to really get to know one another because there's nothing else to do. We would come out. I would come out of that room. Absolutely fascinated by all of your stories. Fascinated. And I have a, I have my own story, but I would, I would be more, I've, I've lived my story. So I'd be far more interested in your story and her story and his story. And we would come out of that room probably lifelong friends because we finally were forced to take the time to get to know what makes you tick.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. It's amazing what you can learn about someone when you can just stop and ask questions. You know, that's what I appreciate, appreciate about you, Donnie, is just like you're a storyteller and you just you just want to hear there's a story everywhere.
0: That's Right. Yep, 100%. So how long have you been doing the podcast, and, and what's it been like? Who do you interview other than me?
1: Oh, it's it's been a ride. So we've we've gone, you know, probably a year and a half now. A lot of it is with, uh, with our store experts trying to tell their stories mm. and uh, other personalities. We've had people like Michael Waddell on here. We've had people like Game and Fish Department people. So it's just uh, oh, we cool. try and keep things really rounded and, and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's just like, it's a great learning experience for me. It's cause you know, if I have questions, I, I would assume somebody out there has these same questions too. So it's, uh, yeah. it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And do people enjoy it? Like do you get feedback on it?
1: You know we don't get nearly as much feedback as I'd like, so hopefully yeah. you know the people out here listening, if they hear this, you know, shoot us yeah. a comment. Let's let's hear what you yeah. wanna what you want to do. We've even uh, we've even dove now into into interviewing people that aren't in the outdoor space, but are you know like interested, trying to get their perspective. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of fun. So what's uh, what's nice. next for Donnie?
0: Uh well other than turkey hunting, um, I have turkey hunting and I did um, so I'm interviewing this new young man to come on Sick Manta, another employee, uh an editor, and um, he's a young guy but he's talented and he has a fever for uh what's coming up and um, and I actually took him. This is really cool. So he flew in, he's from out east. He flew in uh last week and I took him I took him to breakfast. We talked, Kyle, Nikolai, myself, took him to breakfast, and then Kyle had to work on some military projects that we have coming up. And so I took him out to uh, the farm that I hunt, and we walked around. I just showed him around the farm. I wanted to see kind of how he walked through the woods and the things that he would talk about. And then uh, we took him to dinner that night. And then the next day, um, I took him to Shields. And I said, I want, I said, Shields is one of our biggest clients. And I said, I want you to kind of see, you know, he had never been in a Shields. And um, so I said, I want to, I want to take you to Shields. And I just want to show you why they're our client. Because in my position, and I'm not bragging, but in my position, we turn more work away than we can do. So we have to pick and choose our clients because we have enough offerings that we could work all the time every day. And so we only work with people that are A++ plus to us. And so he said, why Shields? What Shields? And I said, it's a department store. And he said, oh, that's weird. You know, usually you're working with more niche type companies. And I said, mm-hmm. well, let me show you their store. And so, and I'm not, I'm not just telling you this because you're Shields, but I'm telling you. So I brought him to Shields and it was, I brought him to the Eden Prairie store and I brought him there on, Saturday. Brought him there on Saturday afternoon. And he walked in and he said what's going on? <laughs> and I said nothing. And he said is there are they having like a 50% sale? And I said no. I said it's like this every dang day. And he said are you kidding? I mean I don't know how many people a Shield Store Mike. I have no idea. But there had to be I mean, every department we went to had 30 to 60 people in it. I mean, 60 people in hunting, 60 people in fishing, 60 people in the baseball glove area, six, you know, 80 people in the bike area. There's a gazillion people in the sports attire logo. And he's like, but he was just, I said, what does this remind you of? and He was kind of searching for words, and I said, is it, Does this remind you of the week before Christmas? And he said, Yes, because everyone's just frantic about buying gifts. And so, but I just wanted him to see, and he wrote me a text the other day saying, Thank you for the meals. Thank you for the discussion. This is for him, I'm not speaking, I'm, I'm just re- relaying what he said. But he said, This is the opportunity of a lifetime to work with Sick Mantis, literally like all he's ever thought about since he was in his like mid teens or whatever, cause he's a young guy. He's only 21. Um, but he's like, thank you. And then he's like, thank you for showing me a a special client of yours. And so I said, yeah. So I, I bring that all up to you because the future for us is I'm bringing him on so that we can start doing as much storytelling work and wilderness type work and hunting film work as we can commercial work, because we've gotten so busy commercially that we haven't been coming out with new films because that stuff has to just be by the wayside. So, um, he hopefully is going to work out. We're putting him through the gauntlet right now to see where his talents lie and to see if he has what we are looking for. And then, um, and then I'm going to hunt and fish my face off this spring. I'm going to record as much, um, Content as I can. I'm really excited. I'm flying to Texas on Monday to go do a um, to go speak. This falls right in line with you guys too, I think. Do you guys sell Benchmade? Yes, we do. Okay, so I'm going to the uh, corporate Benchmade is flying me out to Austin, Texas, to go speak to their sales force and to basically just tell them who I am and what what knives of theirs that I absolutely love, and then you know, kind of like some of my philosophies and so that the sales team can just kind of use it. some of the stuff that we kind of do with Shields as well. So I'm doing that and then that'll, you know, spring will lead into summer where I'm doing a bunch of habitat work, going out and doing a bunch of chainsaw work and burning some stuff and just getting, um, I have a farm that I've been working on for years. It was a, uh, it's a secondary growth, uh, complete mess of, of secondary growth of these trees that need to be, basically lopped down and moved and cut. And, and then, um, there's apple trees to be trimmed out. There's grasses to be burned, but I took over this farm. Um, I had a gentleman, a good friend of mine and him and his son used to kind of work on this farm and, uh, didn't work on the farm. They own the farm. They never did any work on it. Um, but his eldest son ended up taking his own life. And so when that tragic event happened, uh, the gentleman that owned the farm, he came to me and just said, Hey, his son's name is Sam. And he said, I, Sam had this vision for this place and it wasn't row crops. And at that time, they were just had a, a corn and soybean farmer was using it. And so, like, when the corn and soybean farmer were done, it was just mud. And, uh, and when Sam took his own life, uh, the landowner came to me and said, Hey, I don't want the crops anymore. I want to look out and I want to see. Uh, a meadow. I want to see a habitat. So I've been working on this place for for 10 years and so now I have all these grasses and flowers and um, and I've cut a bunch of uh, trees down that were uh, invasive and then trees down that are secondary to allow some of these big uh, you know, legendary oaks, if you will, and, and maple trees and all these things kind of get some breath in them. And, and they have a bunch of old apple trees. So I'm doing all of that work to just kind of bring this property back to life, which it, it I mean, in the summer now you look out there and like, I know the guy that owns it, he's never really said it to me, but he's just like, man, like he just loves it. And the grass is down over my head and it's just, it's such a different place now. And I never used to see turtles, frogs, or snakes on the place. And now I see them all the time, and so for me that's a really good indicator that, you know, the insects are back. And if the insects are back, then the amphibians and the reptiles are going to be back. And if those are back, then the bird life is going to be back. And then if those are back, the mammals are going to be back. And then we just, you know, right up the right up the ecosystem. So I'm doing all that stuff, and then going into fall, I hunted moose in Maine last year, um, and I'm going to go back and hunt moose in Maine again this year, which I'm. Thrilled about. i was born and raised in Connecticut, and hunting in northern Maine has always been a, a dream of mine. And so I did it last year. It was amazing, but I'm going to go back and do it this year. Then I'll be going to Alaska for a couple of things. I have a really cool. Um, do you know what an emperor goose is?
1: I've heard of it. I've never seen one in person.
0: Yeah, so it kind of looks like a blue goose, if you will, roughly. They're stunning, but they were endangered. Uh, they stopped hunting them. Uh, In the United States, I think around 1983 or 84, something like that, it closed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the population got down to like 5,000 birds or something like that. And so now the state of Alaska does a special, they don't call it a hunt. They call it, um, basically it's a trial hunt. So the birds now, they were down to 5,000 individuals. They're now up to like 80 or 90 or 100,000 individuals. And so the state of Alaska gives out um, 20 tags every year or 15 tags every year uh, to people that win the lottery and I won the lottery this year and so you get to go to Alaska and shoot one goose you get one male goose um, and so I'm going to go literally I'm going like here's Alaska like here's the Panhandle and here's the Aleutian chain all the way out. Uh, Russia would be like right here I'm going all the way almost to Russia to go shoot one goose um, but I'm absolutely thrilled to do it cause it'll be a massive adventure and I'll have to take airplanes and boats and everything else to get out there. And it'll be, um, it'll be December, January before I go. So yeah, everything's going to be snowy and the waves will be big and nasty and it's going to be a, a scary, beautiful place. And so, um, I'm looking forward to that. And then lo and behold, we'll be ice fishing together again soon after that. So
1: there we go. Yeah, a lot, um, a lot of people would call yeah. you crazy for uh, for going on an adventure like that just for one goose. But you know, it's the, it's yeah. the stories that last a lifetime, anyways.
0: Yeah, I mean that. I mean, I'll definitely duck hunt when I'm there. I'll definitely shoot other birds um, if I'm fortunate enough, and I'll do some fishing when I'm there. There's some really fantastic fishing if the ocean allows. That's where it's the same place that I filmed Winds of Adak. Okay, and so it is a um, or the same region, so it can be. It can be the most beautiful place in the world, or it can literally be your worst nightmare. And I've experienced both there. Um, literally think think the coolest, most northerly, westerly wilderness duck hunt you can fathom. And then picture uh, George Clooney's movie, The Perfect Storm. the the, both of those things are entirely possible there so um yeah it can be a little bit scary when when the the waves and the current and everything kind of kicks up there it is a very scary place to be in a boat
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i believe that it's definitely going to be a wild ride so donnie i appreciate your time so much thank you for just opening our minds and looking at things a little bit different and you know telling your stories
0: Absolutely, man. And I'm happy to do it anytime. Anytime you want to do another one, just let me know.
1: You just heard our conversation with filmmaker and adventurer Donnie Vincent. Now we're likely going to take him up on his offer of shooting another segment with him down the road. And he gave us an idea for a really cool podcast concept, which we're hoping to make happen. In the meantime, keep an eye out for our future Shields Outdoors commercials on TV, which he helps bring to life and do yourself a favor and check out his feature films, which can be found on Vincent.com, which we have linked in the description of this podcast, along with his social pages. He turns hunting and outdoor experiences into an art form and they are incredible to watch. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening and see you next time.